0: Hello and welcome to Abemus Papam episode 250, Leo the Twelfth. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis Annuncio Babis, Annunzio Vobis, Gaudium Magnum, Gaudium Magnum, gaudium Magnum Abemus Papam. Today's Pope was born Annibala de la Genga. He was the son of minor Italian nobles, and he was born near Spoleto on August 22, 1760. As a younger son, he was destined for the church, and he studied in Rome, where he attracted the attention of Pope Pius VI, who made him his secretary. He was young, intelligent, he was from a good family, and he had a presence about him that made him stand out. He was also quite handsome, which attracted the attention of the ladies and their persistent rumors in the historical record. None of them confirmed that he might not have lived a particularly chaste life as a young man. He was also a great sportsman and loved hunting, something he did all the way till his deathbed. Now, the Pope assisted his rise. He was named a canon of St. Peter's, and they named an archbishop and Nuncio to Cologne in Germany. And this was a particularly busy time to be in the Secretariat of State as a Nuncio, and most of his important work centered around the negotiations at the time of Napoleon in the aftermath of N- the Napoleonic Wars. In this, he disagreed greatly with Cardinal Consalvi, if you remember, the Secretary of State to Pope Pius VII, who we heard a lot about last episode. Archbishop Genga wanted a strict return to the past. Cardinal Consalvi thought, we can't possibly do that. We have to try and understand how things have gone in the present. In 1800, he was in France trying to negotiate with Napoleon, who had taken power there for the return of the church. And Cardinal Consalvi was sent to kind of replace him. Uh, And so, tired out from formal disagreements and his work as Nuncio, Archbishop Genga resigned his appointment as nuncio, and he turned down another appointment to be nuncio to the court of the Tsar in St. Petersburg. He retired to an abbey in Italy, which he was nominally in charge of, and expected to live out the rest of his life in retirement. His health wasn't great, and his disagreements with Cardinal Consalvi were just a little too much. By 1808, he was sent on a mission to negotiate with Napoleon in France, and then in 1814, he was sent to the new French king, Louis Eighteenth to negotiate How the church would return to French society after the fall of Napoleon. Now, his original brief was trying to get things back to the way they were, including the return of the papal control over Avignon and other territories in the south of France. But Cardinal Consalvi intervened directly himself. A while after Archbishop Genga hit the road, Cardinal Consalvi himself rushed to Paris, and he arrived there just four days after Archbishop Genga did, relieving him of his duties and negotiating directly on behalf of the Pope. Consalvi did all the negotiating and then went himself to Vienna for the final Congress, which would conclude the Napoleonic period and restore the various monarchs and territories in Europe. Archbishop Genga was feeling sick. He was upset at being supplanted by his rival. He was in a bad mood and went back to France again for another retirement. Now, perhaps because Pope Pius VII felt sorry for him, because in March of 1816, he named de Genga a cardinal and assigned him to be the Archbishop of Senegalia. He accepted the red hat, but almost immediately resigned the diocese before ever visiting it due to his failing health. He instead worked in Rome in various capacities, and he tried to reform the morals and make the city itself a truly holy city. Which brings us to 1823 and the death of Pope Pius VII. When the conclave met, it was divided between the more traditionalist elements called the Zelanti and the Consolvi wing of more moderate reformist cardinals called the Politicanti. The Zelanti candidate was on the verge of being elected when the Austrians vetoed him, and he pushed his support to Cardinal della Genga. The cardinal was reported to have said, you have elected a corpse due to his poor health. But he accepted the election and took the name Pope Leo XII. Now, one of the first pieces of business for the new pope was to replace his rival, Cardinal Consalvi, who he kind of shunted off to be the prefect for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, and he replaced him with a cardinal secretary of state who was more to his own liking. His papacy then followed the pattern of many strict, pious popes before him, a relatively harsh crackdown on perceived moral failings in the papal states, which was resented by the populace, including restrictions on carnival, the drinking of alcohol, and the freedom of the Jews in the city of Rome. He likewise wanted to return the papacy to its place of esteem and deference in the international sphere, making all international life centered on the papacy, more like the time of Innocent III and Gregory IX than Pius VII. Now, the restrictive government of Leo XII led to a backlash, especially in the more provincial areas of the Papal States, like Romagna and Ravenna, where citizens protested. The protests were cracked down on pretty severely, driving much of the resentment underground. At this time, a Masonic secret society known as the Carbonari had infiltrated the Papal States and much of Italy. It started in in Naples, and the group was specifically anti-clerical, and had begun recruiting members all throughout the Italian peninsula. And we'll hear more about them in the future, but this kind of harsh crackdown that we're hearing about from Leo XII didn't help uh, the the growth of these secret societies. Leo XII's chief of police cracked down strictly in Rome itself as well in preparation for the Jubilee of 1825, which was not a huge success, in part because of the harshness of the police activity. The cardinals even were feeling it, and they were beginning to grumble. So in 1826, Leo began to change his tact. He became more conciliatory, and the diplomatic on the world stage... And part of that change bore fruit in the emancipation of Catholics in England in 1829. Parliament made the practice of Catholic faith legal again for the first time, really, since Queen Mary's reign. In Rome, the Pope turned his focus to caring for the poor, and he established a commission in 1826 to reform how the poor were cared for. But overall, his papacy was much more reactionary than anything else, and it did little to overcome and heal some of the wounds that the people of Italy were experiencing. We will see more of this in a couple of episodes and how it was affected by the upheavals that will come in Italy in the middle part of the century. For now, Pope Leo the Twelfth died on February tenth, eighteen twenty-nine. He was buried in Saint Peter's Basilica. And he was succeeded by Pope Pius the Eighth, and we will talk about his brief papacy in two weeks. But next week, since this, since this is our two hundred fiftieth pope, we will have one of our fifty pope bonus episodes that we've been doing periodically. So stay tuned for that next week, and then Pope Pius the Eighth the week after that. Thank you for listening to our famous Popham. You can find the rest of the Catholic Link podcast at catholiclink.org or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you and God bless you.